everything looks so great, but they're just not, you know, gluing it together and making it flow correctly. So that's what I kind of realized uh, with these guys when they came to me is that, you know, I went into their back end for Facebook ads and Google ads, HubSpot, the whole shebang. And I just realized, you know, their ads weren't set up right. They had no real middle or bottom of the funnel. It was just sheer top of the funnel. And that's one thing that um, I see go wrong all the time. You know, I definitely was guilty of it back in the day before I was really good at marketing. And uh, something I definitely avoid, uh, would recommend everyone listening to avoid is make sure like you have a very defined middle and bottom of the funnel because it's so easy to set up a Facebook ads, get your blog post going, your podcast, but then you have no kind of like gated offers, no free trials, free consultations, whatever it might be at the bottom. listening to the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast, where we break down the financial principles that rich advertisers are deploying today to turn advertising into profit and get tons of traffic to their websites without killing their cash. These advertisers, agencies, affiliates, brands are responsible for managing over a billion dollars a year in ad spend. You'll hear about what's working for them today, their rich ads, and we'll roast their epic failures and crappy ads on the internet with poor ads. Let's get into it. All right, all right, all right. We're back, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast, where we dive into what's working, what isn't working, and some badass financial tips. We got your host, Dylan Carpenter, in the house. I hope everybody's doing swell. Um, you know, with what I do, I do a ton of media buying. So when I got the word I can get a copywriter on here who kills it, I jumped on it. So I mean, today we have a super special guest. He's worked with, you know, guys like Neil Patel, Marketo, GQ, Forbes, written for them, you know, is consulted with a ton of them. So he's, you know, a ton of credibility and authority in the industry in the kind of realm of copywriting. So I mean, to continue to hype it up, the list goes on, but we'll go ahead and give this guy a nice little intro here. We got Carmen. What's good, bro? How's it going? Hey, man, good. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Hell yeah. So I mean, as mentioned, copywriting is such a big thing. I mean, it, that's what moves the needle in so many different, you know, content marketing approaches, direct response. So, I mean, absolutely, it's definitely going to be a super hot topic. And I think it's going to be super juicy to kind of dive into the more nitty gritty stuff. Mm-hmm. But for people who don't know you, kind of give them, you know, what, what are you up to? What are some cool projects to kind of give everybody some insights there? Yeah, man. I mean, right now I mostly do freelance copywriting. I do a lot of content writing as well, like on the SEO content writing side, a lot of marketing consulting. I like to blend in my writing services with consulting, I think it just goes hand in hand when I'm helping a client maybe develop a funnel and different strategies. And then you mix that in with the content and copy. And it goes really well. But like you said, written for Neil Patel, GoDaddy, Full Schedule, tons of big publications. And I mostly spend time in the SaaS space and working with other agencies, but I've dabbled in a lot of different niches and markets. And in the past, I've also ran different affiliate businesses, e-commerce businesses, which I think we're a really big part of the journey. Um, you know, starting multiple businesses, trying with different niches. It taught me a lot about copywriting, content marketing, SEO, lead gen, funnels. Like it all kind of taught me those skills, which ultimately allowed me to get where I am today. And, you know, entrepreneurship for me, I think probably like you and a lot of other people, it goes all the way back to childhood, man. Like I just loved, you know, opening lemonade stands and selling trading cards, like all of that when I was a kid. So when I eventually got into high school, I was learning about internet marketing just as a hobby and for fun. And I was also starting to freelance web design and learn about freelance writing. So by the time I graduated high school, I was actually making a little bit of money. And then that's when I started to really get into e-commerce and doing you know, physical inventory and fulfillment, 
doing affiliate stuff on the uh, passive income side. And then after a few years of that and running my own web design agency, I just realized that I love writing the most. I'm the best at it in terms of all my skills. It's frankly like most of what I was doing for my clients anyway. So a few years ago, I ended up doubling down on copywriting. And now I'm starting to uh, release some of my own courses as well, teaching people how to do copywriting, build their own writing businesses. And yeah, working with a lot of big companies and I have my own six-figure copywriting business. But that's about up to speed where I am today. Heck yeah. Who are some big copywriters that you kind of looked up to that Ooh. you kind of just continuously learned from? I think yeah. it's cool to always talk about, you know, what got you there, you know? Yeah, in terms of inspiration, like actually it's funny in my office right now, I have one of David O'Gilvy's famous uh, Rolls Royce ads hung up and I was like kind of breaking it down. So definitely him, like all the ads he did for Rolls Royce and Hathaway, all those famous advertisements and campaigns. Um, I love breaking those down in his books as well, like uh, Confessions of an Advertising Man. Gilvy on advertising. Those were uh, huge inspirations of mine. Breakthrough Copywriting was a book I just recently went through, which was really good by David Garfinkel. All the stuff by Bob Bly. I tend to read and learn from all like the really old copywriters and advertisers. It's really interesting because like things that worked 50 years ago, man, still work today. Like copywriting has like remained the same because of just, you know, consumerism, the psychology, the behavior. So it's all the greats, man, all the old greats. I, I study and learn from all the time. Oh, yeah. So with that Rolls Royce ad you mentioned, is that the ones where it's like you can't hear anything but the clock on it? Yes. Yeah, so I, I, oh, I I At 60 miles an hour, the loudest noise in the new Rolls Royce comes from the electric clock. That yeah. one, man. Great stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's an OG one there. That's, that's, mm-hmm. What's wild? How, like, we know what that is. <laughs> People yeah, are like, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, sweet, man. So... You got the authority there, some badass mm-hmm. stuff. So, I mean, you know, we love to kind of take this podcast to kind of dive in what's working good for you at this kind of point in time. Sometimes mm-hmm. ads, campaigns, email funnels, some, you know, yeah. copywriting more or less. So, what's something that's kind of working really good for you kind of in this rich ad segment? Yeah, I would say actually funny you say email because um, I had a really cool case study I wanted to share with you and everyone listening because. I recently had a digital agency client come to me. It was uh, Wise Media. They do mostly websites and they wanted to just fill their pipeline more. Um, They're kind of just tired of relying on referrals like a lot of businesses do. And you can grow that way and it actually do quite well, but you're not really in control of your sales and your growth when you're just relying on referrals. So what I actually proposed to them is that we do a cold outreach system with emails, automation, automated follow-ups. And that's something that actually a lot of my clients and uh, people kind of in my my space know me for is being really good at cold outreach. And mm-hmm. I think it definitely can have that reputation of being a little bit of a numbers game. Like you have to send out 100 emails, 100 cold calls before you get like one person that's like, all right, like I'll listen to you. Yeah. But that is the reality for a lot of people. If you do it incorrectly, I think when you do like copy and paste your messages and you take that kind of disingenuine numbers game approach, then yeah, that's where you're going to get. But um, with this agency-wise media, what we actually ended up starting doing is they pretty much had the perfect foundation for cold emailing um, because they had a really good portfolio. Their buyer persona was mapped out, and it was primarily uh, law firms in their local area. Um, they had productized services, so it was just perfect. So what we ended up doing is I created a list of just 40 highly targeted lawyers that match their buyer persona in their area. And then there's a tool that I love called Hunter.io. And it's an email hunting tool. You can plug in any URL, get every single person's name, email, phone number. It's amazing. If anyone's doing outreach that's listening, you need that tool. And it's pretty cheap too. 
And so pretty much I found um, all the main attorney's emails, maybe like the marketing director, depending how small or big the firm was, and that I'd run these through a CRM. And you need to have a really personalized subject line. The body of the email needs to really focus on just value, personalizing it with like their first name, their company name. And in the case of this uh, campaign, what we did is I mostly focused on like their portfolio because it was really impressive. Um, also the urgency of needing to be online and needing a good website with COVID, you know, obviously as lawyers, they can't uh, meet their clients in person really anymore. And just the benefits of having a good website, like they're going to book more clients and meetings and they're going to have a better local reputation. And then that email campaign just ended up killing it. It was like an 80% open rate. Um, 14 appointments were booked, which meant it was a 35% appointment book rate. And then Wise Media ended up getting, I think it was nine clients um, closed for about 10,000 each. So they nearly did 100,000 in revenue in that month just from the cold email campaign. And now we're trying to think of is pretty much scaling that up and also reinvesting into ads and creating a funnel on that end. But I think right now, a lot of agencies could definitely really benefit from learning how to do proper cold outreach and nurturing and uh, having really good copy as well. They're doing the cold emailing. Do you write the copy for the emails? Oh, yeah, yeah. Pretty much I consulted them on like how they should set up the funnel. I did all the prospecting. I wrote the uh, initial email, all the follow-ups, actually set it up with their CRM and everything. But yeah, A to Z. And that's what I was talking about, like where I'll write the copy, but I also do the consulting side too. I think it just is makes sense. So like when you kind of start writing the copy, you mentioned, you, you know, of course, you have to chat with them. Do you pretty much kind of pull specific things they kind of mention and kind of put it all together more or less? So from the uh, client themselves yeah yeah because i mean it's, it's always different you know if you had five you know these guys you know five realtors for example they all kind of yeah. portray themselves differently so i'm exactly. kind of curious on from a copywriter's perspective how you're able to you know show that brand positioning you know exactly. they're not the ones writing it i guess yeah 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 honestly i think research is probably the most underrated and important part of all copywriting i do it doesn't matter if it's email copy sales letters it's all about understanding that client their branding, their tone of voice. So I always ask for things up front, like, do you have buyer personas? Do you have content guidelines, branding guidelines, anything like that? Because I want to like step into their shoes, understand who they are, who they're servicing, how they talk. And then I'll go do my own research as well. Like it's really common for me to go interview people within their company and learn more about how they operate. I'll go look at competitors, read market reports, like really just become an expert at that industry and client. And then exactly when you go write the copy, it's something that their buyer persona and customers resonate with. It sounds like them and it performs really damn well. So I guess the trifecta. What's your favorite kind of copy to write? Is it the, the email Ooh. side? Because I mean, I mentioned more long, I would imagine more long form in the email side, but I mean. Yeah, yeah. Been, Honestly, I've been loving sales letters lately, man. Just the classic, okay. exactly what we're talking about, David Ogilvy and those guys. Yeah, man. The classic uh, sales letters, video sales letters. I've been doing a lot lately. Um, lots of Facebook ads, banner ads, Google ads. So even the short form stuff's been really fun, but yeah, I've always enjoyed the long form stuff. I find it makes the greatest impact and it's also just a bigger project, more research goes into it and there's a lot of fun. Now I did have a special question from Zach. Yes, sir. Do you do any ghostwriting? Oh, that's pretty much 99% of what okay. I do. That's, I figured so it was. Actually, yeah, I do a lot of C-suite ghostwriting on Forbes too. A lot oh. of ghostwriting on there. Yeah, writing for their Forbes accounts. That's sick. Mm -hmm. You some fun things then. Yeah, 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 we'll talk after. Oh yeah. So cool. I mean, when it comes to email cold outreach, that sounds like the way to do it, especially when yeah. it comes to the entire system in place there. Mm -hmm. This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's ad card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend. 
in partnership with MasterCard. And if you are an aggressive affiliate dealing with dozens of ad accounts, or you are in gray hat or black hat verticals, such as drop shipping, CBD, or other verticals where you're dealing with ad accounts getting shut down, business managers getting shut down, or even de-platform from platforms like Facebook and Google, then you absolutely need to check out Funnel Dash's ad card. We give you unlimited free virtual debit and credit cards. So you can have a dedicated card for every single ad account campaign. And you can attach any name and address in the US so you have complete anonymity on the card and at the card level. Plus, one of my favorite features is that you don't have to pre-fund or even top off like most typical virtual card solutions today. So if this is you and you're operating these verticals, whether you're an agency or an advertiser, then check out AdCard at FunnelDash.com. So while that went really well, we love to kind of do a quick 180 and mm-hmm. dive into our poor ad segment, which could be something embarrassing, you know, something you thought would kill it, totally yeah. cracked and burned. So, I mean, what kind of poor ad would you like to kind of talk about on this bad boy? Definitely. There's another client I can think of, but they're in the SaaS space, a little bit different uh, than agencies, but they're in the SaaS space and they came to me, they needed help with their funnel, uh, their Facebook ads, their Google ads, and just a lot of stuff. And, you know, we talked, I checked out their product, their website, and everything checked out. They're cool guys. We started working together. Um, and I don't know about you, but like when I'm doing consulting work, it's so common to see even like pretty big businesses and they just have a broken funnel or like it's just not glued together right. And it's so unfortunate because they have amazing products and everything looks so great, but they're just not, you know, gluing it together and making it flow correctly. So that's what I kind of realized uh, with these guys when they came to me is that, you know, I went into their back end for Facebook ads and Google ads, HubSpot, the whole shebang. And I just realized, you know, their ads weren't set up right. They had no real middle or bottom of the funnel. It was just sheer top of the funnel. And that's one thing that um, I see go wrong all the time. You know, I definitely was guilty of it back in the day before I was really good at marketing. And uh, something I definitely avoid, uh, would recommend everyone listening to avoid is make sure like you have a very defined middle and bottom of the funnel, because it's so easy to set up the Facebook ads, get your blog posts going, your podcasts, but then you have no kind of like gated offers, no free trials, free consultations, whatever it might be at the bottom. And in particular with these guys, uh, they were burning through, I remember quite a bit of ad spend. It was like at least like five to 10K a month. They were going through without really any kind of positive ROI. And that's when I kind of realized how big of a project it was going to be for me. And, um, you know, one of the first things I made sure we had was just a more clearly defined funnel, even if it was just really simple. And I think that that's one of the best places to start is make sure you have your top of the funnel. So maybe it's ads. Maybe you're doing inbound or blog and SEO, and then create some kind of lead magnet that uh, helps people opt in for that. It gets you their info and they can remarket to them in the back end. And then we also created a landing page for that. And uh, for the lead magnet, I wrote, it was like a 3,000 word guide on how to do digital marketing or digital marketing strategies because they're mostly targeting agencies with their SaaS. And then an in-house designer made it all you know nice and professional. I'm not the, the best graphic designer. I'm just a good writer. And then... Um, <laughs> Yeah, after that, you know, also did a lot of blog content for them for more top of the funnel stuff. Just make sure we're talk, targeting keywords and topics that got the right buyer persona coming in and that match their domain authority. Because another thing uh, that I see go wrong all the time is if you're doing inbound marketing and specifically blogs is you target way too competitive of search terms and topics that just don't match your uh, domain authority. Like if you're a newer website, you know, hate to say it, you're not outranking Neil, Neil Patel or Backlinko, any of the big guys, you know, 
but you can definitely really niche down. Like if you're doing Facebook ads, whatever it might be, you can niche down and do something like how to increase jewelry store Facebook ad conversion rates. Like you find some really detailed topic to uh, write about that brings you the right people. And that's pretty much what we did. We fixed up their top of the funnel, got them a nice little lead magnet, landing pages, and then started tidying up some of the Facebook ads and Google ads and we tested a bunch of different stuff in terms of the copy because I think uh, a lot of the staple stuff works really well, benefit-driven copy, so not necessarily the feature and what they're getting, but what it really actually means for them. Like, is it translating into conversions, revenue, customer loyalty? That's what people care about. So we're, you know, tidying up the abs to have that. Um, more urgency and scarcity, being the competition, uh, curiosity. We're, you know, testing a lot of different strategies with the Facebook ads because um, the original ones were kind of just simple and boring. So I just wanted to make sure they were a little more, uh, a little more spicy and could actually drive some good conversions. And um, that's something definitely I see go wrong all the time. It's just kind of boring ads, man. Like if you look at all the good ads we we're talking about earlier, like those ones, they have a lot of emotion. They're really creative. They stand out. So it's a good thing to kind of go look at the competition and uh, see what they're doing. And then just kind of learn from that, apply it to your own to make it a little bit better. And then with uh, all of the inbound and outbound, we ended up after people essentially opted in, we had like a sequence in the back and I wrote all the copy for that. And pretty much just a pretty normal email drip strategy would just kind of drip a lot of good content, talk about all the awards that the startup has won, build that social proof, case studies, testimonials, you know, the usual stuff. And then that campaign had like a 40% open rate. We're actually still doing it. We're still refining it right now like a 3% click through. And then I think it was 9% of the people who did the free trial converted into the paid. So it's actually going really well now, but, um, and it's going into a positive direction, but it's so common, man, with my clients to see them, they just don't have that funnel mapped out from the beginning. And then there's wasting the, the ad spend and like all the time, man. When it comes to broken funnels, how, how, how long do you think that agency was just running ads oh, when it was like, because he mentioned it months and months, man. So they could have 30K, maybe yeah, more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but hey, it's going to like the green now. It's going to a good direction. I love seeing that, man. It's so cool to, to work with a company. And like at the end of the day, you see them growing, doing better. It's just, it's awesome stuff, man. I think that's a big part of what I enjoy about business is actually like helping the businesses and seeing them turn around and do better and grow. I bet you see the same thing, man. It's fun. Now, now, from your perspective, do you, uh, would you rather work with a business directly or, you know, a, mm -hmm. a big figure like Neil Patel or an agency who may have a lot of clients or maybe doing big mm -hmm. things there? Yeah, yeah, it works with pretty much all of them. You know, it's cool when you work with like someone bigger, like an individual brand, like something like Neil Patel, for example, but he has a big team behind him. So yeah. you kind of get to work with someone like that, but then you also work with their team. Agencies are cool because they can usually like white label to you outsource you interesting work and then that grows your portfolio more so honestly i wouldn't say i enjoy working with any of them more than the other i actually love doing them all man and if there's a good opportunity i take it oh yeah it's good to diversify you may get tired of one person i'm gonna change it up go to the agency yeah. now <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah no that's the, whenever i get tired of you know running fitness ads i just move to the you know organic stuff just to yeah, switch yeah. Up more, you know? exactly. it's a good little mind refresh there yeah, honestly, that's a cool thing too about, you know, doing ads, I bet for you, copywriting for me is like, it's fun to just dabble in different niches and markets and you always have some kind of new product or something you've never kind of experienced before and it just makes the project that much more fun. Oh yeah, I'll even see a random ad and I'm like, damn, that's a good ad and I'll, mm -hmm. and I'll put my own twist on it and do something super similar. So I mean- Oh yeah, man. Swiping is a big part of the game. Just <sighs> taking uh, something that's working well and make it even better, put your own twist on it. 
we have we have one account and we've been running the same ad for about eight months now and we have two competitors who are just you know swiping it i bet we noticed they were just taking multiple ads maybe like like six months ago so we just kept these really crappy ones up at a dollar a day and (laughs) yeah so they're not even much money but they're using they're like oh this ad's been active for you know over nine months i'm gonna be working it's not (laughs) <laughs> that's so, genius i love that it's it's funny because yeah you know it's it's you can easily go in and check out all active ads and you know it's pretty easy to copy and paste but i mean sometimes I know. you know if it's been active for a long time it may be killing it but i mean mm-hmm. if there's somebody like me who knows you know how somebody's gonna think like 3D it, chess man yeah uh, yeah i mean 300 bucks a year just to kind of fuck with somebody so. <laughs> yeah. screw the competition man. that's a good investment i'm with you it's solid so, I mean, you know, when it comes to the podcast, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, of course, we wanted to take a page out of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. Yep. So we wanted to kind of have, you know, a crossroads between marketing and financial, more or less. Mm-hmm. So we kind of spoke about it a little bit before the show, but when it comes to some sort of financial principles or financial tips, what can you kind of share with the audience based off, you know, some of your experience? Yeah, sure. You know, one financial principle that I'd love to share is something that's really changed my personal life and business recently. That's actually investing in my own physical office. Because if you get the chance to work from home like us, it's it's awesome, right? A lot of people kind of with the whole COVID thing right now, it's their first opportunity to work from home for a lot of people. And it's exciting and it's new. But I think if you do it for long enough, um, you know, like anything, you kind of get a little bit repetitive. Um, and for me, working from home, you know, for years, it kind of did. And it started to become, you know, a cool idea to go maybe go get my own office, have a physical space. And then I did that recently, uh, started leasing my own office. And I can honestly say it's probably the best money I might have ever spent in business, you know, and you can, of course, write off your rent and when you do taxes and the different capital you put into the office, if you renovate it or anything like that. But, um, you know, first of just a day-to-day pace, man. I love it. Just to kind of go between the house and the office or constantly in and out. Um, Cool place to just take calls, do meetings, do things like this. Um, Physically sit down with the client and kind of run them through copy and deliverables. That's something that I never really got to do before, but now I can have that extra little relationship and uh, see my clients a bit more in person, which is really, really cool. And, you know, also it's amazing for networking because I lease inside of a co-working spot, not just like, you know, a, you know, a big building or something. And what that allows me to do is I'm constantly meeting new startups and freelancers and other companies. So it's been getting me tons of, you know, work, you know, getting my name out there locally and just meeting a lot of like-minded people like uh, Dylan and I were talking before the podcast about masterminds. I think that's a super important thing, man, to have as an entrepreneur, just be surrounded by like-minded people people that uplift you, give you good motivation and just kind of push you. So that's been huge for having the office right now. And I actually remember when I uh, did the tour originally, it was actually before COVID. um, And literally on the tour, I met a guy who runs another agency, went up talking and it closed him as a client. So, I mean, you know, that's like the best first impression for getting an office is I got a client like on the tour. So that's when I knew, okay, this is probably going to be pretty good. So for any agencies out there, if you're like thinking of getting an office, I would consider doing it within a co-working space if you're comfortable with, you know, COVID and all that. But it can be really good for networking, getting your business out there. And I don't know about you, but like I always tend to be way more focused when I'm out of the house working, man. Do you find that? Yeah, I know. I was going to make a joke that I have the same footprints from my bedroom to the office that <laughs> yeah. you're imprinted. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it's it was fun for the first like two or three years. But I mean, I like to go out. I'll go to my clients' offices and I'm like, hey, can I hang out for a couple hours yeah, with yeah. here and stuff? But like, yeah. a change of scenery is so gold because I mean, even on days like this, I mean, we were chatting earlier and I'm just like, 
if I was in a, you know, more of a work mode, had some other people around me, the momentum would probably be so much stronger. But I mean, oh, for sure. luckily, I can kind of slack a little bit there. Mm-hmm. But I love co working in other places, like little coffee shops. I mean, we yeah. don't, we, I, I will say the biggest thing that, you know, I bought a MacBook to kind of become a digital nomad. Mm-hmm. And I love monitors too much. So where right. when I have one laptop screen, it's just, I feel like I'm just not as productive to where when I have mm-hmm. three, I'm this like, oh, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, baby. Yeah, Cause I have a desktop at home, but I just bring my laptop to the office. But um, actually funny you say that you can get like a Google Chrome extension that like splits your, your tabs up. Like I use that like every day on my laptop. So it's kind of a little workaround, but I used to be the same man, coffee shops, campuses. Oh man. Yeah. It's nice to just work out the house, change up your scenery. And that was uh, definitely a big part again, the office man, super stoked to have it. And, you know, just uh, only recently got it like a few months ago. So it's going so well. Uh, it's going to be a great investment, tons of good ROI, but definitely recommend that for anyone listening. Is it pretty cost-effective and then too crazy? Oh yeah, man. No, for sure. I think that, you know, definitely month over month is making me more than I pay. And, you know, it's definitely exponential right now. And also in terms of like the amount of work I get done, you know, that's going to translate to growing my freelancing more faster, more bigger. So that's going to be more income and revenue too. So hundred percent, man, great ROI. Yeah, I also think, I mean, you mentioned earlier is that kind of face-to-face aspect. It's so much easier to sell and you have that personal relationship side. Mm -hmm. I mean, Zoom calls are fun and all, or just talking on the phone or texting, but I mean, nothing is going to be an old-fashioned, you know, face-to-face conversation. Yeah, shaking hands, actually. Yeah, man. Same with like going over deliverables and stuff, like whether it's ads, coffee, whatever it might be. It's awesome just to show them in person, like, here, here's what I've done. Here's why it's going to work. And it just adds like a way better impact. It's more of like a... I whenever because yeah whenever I do like deals online they're way more business oriented but when it's face to face in person I'm like yeah man check this out yeah, I, could do, yeah. I could duplicate this pretty easy yeah. <laughs> it's it's so weird but I mean it's just that you know consumer behavior I mean so we might have to take advantage of it I think yeah, you, you're definitely kind of killing it on that kind of you know office space side of things there mm-hmm. especially when you have like a co-working spot with other businesses yeah man like the best and they're they're cool people too it's not like you know you know crappy yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. they're the startup phases and stuff. So it's like yeah, they're all on the same wavelength. Everyone's grown, everyone's hustling. So yeah, man, it's great to be around like-minded people. Hell yeah! All righty, man. So I know you mentioned you got a course coming out. I want you to yes, plug way in here. Give everybody an idea of what you know, what's in store. Maybe some cool projects in the future. How they can kind of get in touch with you. Yeah, so, man. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, I actually have Wise Copy out, which teaches people how to grow their own profitable writing businesses. And then it should be this month, I'm also going to be releasing Sell Like Hell, which is a course just teaching you how to write really damn good copy that converts. But um, besides that, right now, I'm just working on some big copywriting projects and talks with some other uh, pretty big companies for some podcasts and sponsorships, developing more courses. But if you did want to work with me, need copy, or you want a free consultation, you can just head over to my website, carmenmasterapiero.com. You can just uh, hit me up on email. We'll schedule a time to chat and yeah, get your proposal and we figure out how we can work. Hell yeah. Man, sell like hell. I love that. Yeah, isn't that good? <laughs> That's, really good. That's really good, yeah. Well, good stuff, man. Thanks for jumping on. That was super yeah, Thanks for having me, man. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ed Podcast. If you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and richadpoored.com slash podcast. And if you absolutely love the show, Go ahead and leave a review and a comment. Share with a friend. If you do, 
take a copy, screenshot of it, email me, Zach at FunnelDash.com. Show me you left a review, and I'll give you a free copy of the Rich Ad Poor Ad book. To learn more about the book, go to RichAdPoorAd.com. To leave a review, go to RichAdPoorAd.com slash review. Thanks again.